if someone doesn't hit and dive deep on the business model, you end up with WeWorks of the world that raised way too much money that brag about valuations and how much they raise and they end up bankrupt three years later. So I'm asking these questions to try and understand, is there a real business here? Or is it basically flooded with VC dollars? You're losing money. And whoever loses money the longest maybe wins a network in the long run. It sounds like that's not the case with you, but that's why I ask these questions. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Hey, folks. My guest today is Madad Sharan. He's a CEO and founder of the award-winning retail finance SaaS network platform, Charge After, the first global network to provide a complete solution to point-of-sale financing from multiple lenders. Over 15 years of experience, He has over 15 years of experience scaling global payments and SaaS businesses with a people and customer-first approach. Madad, you ready to take us to the top? Sure, sure. All Happy right. 15 years, man. You're an OG. What was the first SaaS company you were working on? <laughs> I actually started in the in the mobile space in the time that mobile was uh, developing all the value added services be and and starting to have the internet on. Moved from there to the payment space, and and from the payment space, this was a natural development in the BNPL and point of sale financing space. Mm-hmm. So, just describe for people that are not familiar with buy now pay later. Maybe they've never heard of like uh, you know a firm or these sorts of businesses. What, what is buy now pay later? Yeah. So buy now, pay later is basically the ability to split a payment to a, a, a purchase to a several payments, uh, typically between four to six. But there are many other types of uh, buy now, pay later that allows the consumer to split uh, the payments of the purchase to up to three years in many cases. Uh, and this is a very developed, very growing trend where consumers can, instead of paying now, they can pay later and split their purchase. It's yep. a new form of credit, I would say. So most folks listening, guys, if you have bought maybe a Tesla or a purple mattress, you may have saw pay with a firm under the checkout page or something like that. This is the space you're playing in. So Madad, will consumers buying that mattress or the Tesla ever know about you? Or are you working behind the scenes with Tesla directly or with the mattress provider directly? So we are working behind the scenes. Our platform and network is enabling the merchants to have their solution. Usually, we are allowing the merchants to white label it. We are working with Lenovo as an example. If you go to Lenovo website, you will see Lenovo financing. It is powered by Charge After, and we are allowing them to offer this to their consumers. You just saw. You said Lenovo, the computer company, right? Computer gaming PCs. Exactly. Yeah, so I so I see this actually right now. Uh, Lenovo financing. If you guys just Google it, there's basically a big pre-qualification button. You're basically enabling Lenovo to take this in-house, not have to rely on a firm or one of these other tools that do it. We enable uh, Lenovo to have this in-house in the sense that they are utilizing our platform to connect to multiple players like a firm. Oh. Uh, Okay, that would enable their consumers to have much better coverage than having only one player. The, the, the pain point that Charge After is solving is that there are many BNPL lenders out there. Each one of those lenders is focusing on a specific financial product. It can be paying for, it can be long-term installments, 
It can be revolving line of credit or even a leasing product, but each one is different and each consumer would prefer a different product. Each lender is also focusing on a specific credit segment. It might be prime, near prime or subprime, which means that they will approve only 30% of the consumers or in other words, decline 70% of the consumers. And each lender is focusing on specific geography. But the merchants from their side, they're looking to have a solution that would cover all their consumers. And they want to have this flexibility. And, and the consumer from their side, they're looking first to be approved, right? Yep. The, 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 the consumer experience of being declined in 70% of the cases is not positive. So first, they're looking to be approved. And second, they don't want necessarily to have only one option. They want the option that has the best fit for them, that they can choose from. And by having multiple lenders on charge after platform and network, we are enabling the merchants to have full coverage, best conversion rates, best approval rates. And the consumer, we're almost bidding on their behalf between the different lenders. Because a firm, as an example, they are a great lender. Really, they're a great company. But they have a very specific product to a very specific um, a credit box in, a ver in, 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 in the US, right? They don't cover other countries. They don't cover um, near prime or subprime. They don't cover revolving line of credit. Understood. And so flesh the marketplace out for me. How many merchants like Lenovo have installed uh, charge after on their website? So we have, we, have, we have many, many merchants, thousands of merchants that installed charge after millions of consumers use charge after so far. We have an amazing investors, Visa invested in charge after, Synchrony Bank invested in charge after, Citibank, BBVA. Well, oh, sorry, just before we get into your funding history, because I want to touch on that, just I want to understand the merchant side too. So when you say thousands, you're talking between like a thousand and three thousand Lenovo's have you installed? Yeah, Lenovo, Lenovo is a client, for example. Okay. And, but my uh, point is it's somewhere between like a thousand and three thousand. When you say thousands, that's what you mean. We, we are a private company, so we're not sharing the exact number of merchants that we have, but we have wide distribution of charge after across many um, many merchants in many territories. Understood. And then on the flip side of the marketplace, how many lenders like a firm are on the platform? And does a firm have to opt in or do you automatically add them? You don't need a relationship with them. No. So so each lender that is on the platform has a relationship with charge after. We okay. have uh, close to 40 lenders already on the platform, which will go probably to 80 by the end of the year. So we have dozens of lenders on the platform. Yep. And then I guess when, when we talk about your growth, which is going to tie into your funding story here, I imagine one of the things you measure is just GMV, right? How many loans done monthly? If Is that accurate? That's a key metric for you? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And, and yeah. so are you talking like last month, are we talking tens of millions or hundreds of millions or just maybe a million per month? Can you give me a range of what your GMV is monthly? Yeah. So again, we, we are we are a private company. We are not revealing those types of data um, to the public, but we we are certainly processing very big volumes in in hundreds of millions. Uh, hundreds of millions per month. We, we, again, we we cannot share this type. Well, of you thing. well, Madad, you just shared the number, so I now need to qualify it so my audience doesn't get confused. You said hundreds of millions. Is that lifetime? No, it's not a lifetime. But but let, let's focus on other stuff because. We don't feel comfortable to mention specific numbers on a, on a podcast. Uh, we are. Dad, sorry, just to be clear, you mentioned the number. I you know. said hundreds I of know. millions. I so know. I want to now make sure I understand it clearly. When you say hundreds of millions, over is that all time to date, or that's not monthly, no, or you don't not, want to say? It, it's not. It's not all times. It's not all times. It's it's the current volume that 
the current run rate that we have. Okay, there you go. Perfect. So you're taking last month GMV times 12. Let's keep That's it. That's run rate. Yeah, yeah. We'll move on. We'll move on. But that helps me qualify, right? And by the way, this is how everyone calculates GMV run rate. Last month times 12. So this is very standard stuff. Talk to me about growth though, right? So when did you launch the company? What year? So we launched uh, Charge After in 2017. And we started with one merchant and one lender, and we grew it from there. Do, do you, are you able to share who that first, both those first ones were? It was, uh, um, both of them were in the U.S. We started from the U.S. U.S. is where we have the most uh, activity uh, even now. And the merchant was uh, in the electronic space, and the lender was a typical uh, point of sale financing lender. This is great. India okay. It wasn't available back then. It's, it was point of sale financing, which is quite the same, but still. Well, I mean, you made a strategic decision at some point not to compete directly with firm. You said, you know what? I don't want to take that risk on the balance sheet. Maybe I'll just be the marketplace in the middle. I mean, that was a, that's a very important decision you made. Why did you make that decision? Yeah, it's, it's a great point. I think that what I saw in the market, you know, I'm coming from the payment space. In the payment space, if you think about it, there are tens of thousands of issuing banks, which are very similar to the lenders in the BNPL space. Um, and But then there is the networks, Visa and MasterCard, that are connecting all those separated issuers into one <clears throat> comprehensive network, which is allowing each merchant not to choose whether they want to work with this issuer or the other, but to work with all of them. And this mm-hmm. is the vision of Charge After. We are building the Visa of BNPL, the leading network and platform for the BNPL space. So I saw that there are so many lenders in the market. There will be more, each one of them focusing on a very specific area. We wanted to give the full solution to our to the merchants, to banks that are using our solution to get into the market. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to be this network that is connecting all the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And how, um, I, we haven't talked about how you make money here, right? So what model have you built for yourself? Yeah, so we, we are... We are um, a network solution, very similar to how Visa and MasterCard are making money, we are making as well. So we are getting a, um, a fee from the lenders that are working with us and from the merchants that are working with us. Okay, got it. And and are, are both of those on a percent basis? For example, would a company like Lenovo just pay you a flat SaaS fee or are both of them paying you like a percent of deals done? Yeah, it's a great question again on... Um, we are not getting into the specific business model. Let's keep it as as a fee. Um, this is an ongoing fee that they pay as part of the, uh, the transactions. Well, I mean, sorry, I'm going to dig here though because this is a critical question. There's a lot of folks in the space that are trying to figure out: Do we charge a flat fee here, SaaS fee, not tied to a percent of GMV or deals closed? Then there's some that are on the total opposite side, which is no flat fee at all, free to use. You only pay charge after if we bring you deals, right? And we help you close deals and it's a percent of GMV. Are you picking one side or the other or are you more of a blended model? A blended model. Okay, fair enough. We'll leave it at that. Um, Let's fast forward a bit. So first customers in 2017, we've talked about how many uh, folks you're working with now today on both sides of the marketplace. Tell me more about the funding history. Why did you, it sounds like you've raised, why did you decide to raise capital? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that we see a very big market demand to what we do. Um, from all sides, we have le- more and more lenders that want to join the platform. We have more merchants that are using the platform. We have more distributors and payment players that are understanding that uh, BNPL is here to stay. They want to add these banks that are that are adding this to their offering. 
and they are they are coming to us basically so we can provide them with the technology and connectivity and so with uh, so much demand we needed more capital to accelerate our growth this was the main reason uh, for the for the last raise we we started thinking that we will do a smaller raise and we had so much investors that uh, wanted to invest that we decided to increase the raise to the uh, to the size of the raise that we had eventually so let's start from the first capital you brought in what year was that and what was the round size yeah so we we started in uh, 2017 with the seed funding from pico partners a vc based in israel in the us the second round was led and how much was the seed 1.5 1.5 okay Remote teams are all the rage right now. In fact, many companies want to stay this way, even post-pandemic. And the reasoning's obvious. Hiring talent from anywhere in the world means you can bring on better talent. But the challenges are very real. How do you manage employees in other countries, legally and easily? What about international payroll, employee benefits? What are taxes like in countries that are far away from where you're based? You need to understand all of this, including local paperwork and local compliance for all your remote employees. Now, two of the most successful remote companies, both GitLab and Zapier, have reached multi-billion dollar valuations, and they use a special tool, a secret portal, I like to call it, at remote.com. Remote's platform is easy to use for full-time employees, contractors, and your HR team. They help you scale your international team, your remote team, at a price you can afford. Now, look, when I sign up sponsors, you guys know I like to get a great deal for our listeners. Otherwise, we won't run the sponsorship. Well, Remote has delivered. Sign up today and receive a 50% discount off your first employee for the first three months. Check out NathanLatka.com forward slash remote and enter promo code LATKA to get started. That's NathanLatka.com forward slash remote and promo code L-A-T-K-A. Check it out today before you miss out. Back in 2017 in Israel, were you seeing the standard terms you've seen in seed rounds in the States? You know, you're, you're raising at a five or 10 cap, something like that on a convertible note. Excuse me? Were you seeing back in 2017 sort of standard seed terms in Israel like we see here in the US? So a standard seed deal in the US would be a million to 2 million on a 5 million to $10 million cap. Were you sort of seeing that same deal back then? It was similar to the US without getting into the specific terms. Okay, cool. Okay, what happened after the seed? And then we had our A round led by Propel, backed up by BBVA, Synchrony joined, uh, Plug and Play joined. Um, and what other year? In 2019. Okay. Then we had the last. And what was the size there? Um, I think that it was uh, 8.5 million. 8.5. You have to think about it. Dilution's a real thing when you do these raises. I thought you would you would know you know these numbers off the top of your head, huh? We yeah, we had we had few investors coming. And yeah, it's it was it was a very intense last year in terms of uh, capital raise. So the, the former rounds are a bit uh, vague at this point. I see. Fair All enough. Right? Fair enough. All right. What happened after the series A? We had Visa join, you know, kind of in between the rounds. Um, and then we had this round. And so again, my audience doesn't know what this one is. So what? It, tell us what you just raised. Sure, sure. So in the recent round, we raised 44 million 
Um, and we had, we added to our existing investor group, which is really great, right? The, the investor group that we had before was composed of Visa. No need to present Visa any further. Synchrony Bank, that is one of the leading banks in buy now, pay later in the US. And BBVA, that is one of the largest banking group worldwide. And in the recent round, we added uh, Citibank. Again, no need to present Citibank. Uh, one of the largest banks in the world. We had the Bradesco. Why was it important for you to get all these banks on board? Does it enable you to increase your margin profile at all? Well, we think that what we are building here is a technological solution, but also an ecosystem. And, and we view ourselves as an industry platform. And as such, as many players in the industry that are investing in charge after we view it as a better thing. If you think about who are the investors of Visa, they are the banks, right? If you think about who are the investors of Expedia on the travel space, they are airlines. So we, we have a similar strategy where we think that as many as more banks investing in charge after we are building the ecosystem we are getting partners and we have a better base to, to implement our vision i know i guess so what i'm trying to go deeper on is like let's say that you help a consumer spend a dollar at lenovo using a firm of that dollar right lenovo and a firm are going to pay you some whatever percent cents whatever then obviously Visa also takes whatever, 300 bips, right? City takes 300 bips. Whoever the card is takes 300 bips. Do you have the ability to expand your margin larger than 3% of that dollar by bringing some of these banks on board? No, it's not connected to that. And by the way, okay. I'm working with us uh, um, in Lenovo or, or elsewhere, but it's more about the ability to add more players that are believing in charge after vision and in charge after um marketplace and and usually they don't only invest they also participate in the marketplace so it's not about increasing the margin when we are working with when a lender is involved in a specific transaction it's only this lender right it's not also visa and also um citibank oh so visa could be an, another version of a firm that visa could be the lender in the platform like a firm actually they are visa oh, we see. are enabling visa installments it's a product of Visa that is enabling the consumer to split his payments over multiple installments from th from three months to eighteen months mm -hmm. using his existing card. I right. see. That's smart. And then, Madad, look, I don't know a ton about all of your competitors. You're going to know more here. So my question to you is, if your competitors that own a marketplace like this are processing a dollar of like GMV like this, how much are they probably making on that dollar from both sides of the marketplace? Is it is it is it five cents, two cents, a cent? It is very similar to uh, the margins that uh, Visa and Mastercard are having. In the the three cents, two cents, three cents. It, it's more. It's more complicated to that. You are referring to the total cost that involves in the Visa world, right? It will include the cost of the issuer, the cost of Visa, and the cost of the acquiring bank or the gateway. Um, but in general, our model is similar. We are okay. doing the same thing that Visa did in the payment space in the BNPL point of sale financing space. Well, again, not talking, I'm not talking about you. I'm curious about just the overall market. So you're saying your competitors, when they do this, look, there's complications here. I don't want to go deep on all these complications, but it's somewhere between three and five cents per dollar of GMV, something like that. Again, I, I don't think that this is um, you know, the right place to relate to margins. I think that we have similar margins to, their, our competitors have similar margins to us um, and it's similar business model. Um, and it's not different than what uh, is happening in the payment space. 
Yeah, Madad, sorry. The, the whole show is about educating founders, right? So we are not familiar with your space. That's why it's called the top entrepreneurs, right? So we're trying to learn the business model. So in the space, what is the margin you're seeing there? Again, is it, it's, it, I think it's 3 to 5%. I mean, tell me if that's wrong. No, it's certainly not 3 to 5%, right? If it's you less or more. It's it's much less, right? Oh, if, wow. Okay. If you look, if you look on the on the payment space, right, when a merchant is typically paying in the US somewhere between one point six to three percent on a, a credit card transaction, right? This cost would include the issuing cost, the cost of the card for the issuer. It would include the network cost, Visa or Mastercard, and then it would include the margin of the distributor, the acquiring bank, the gateway. Right, all those three players in the ecosystem uh, would would benefit out of this total cost. In mm-hmm. our case, in our industry, it is very similar. Right, instead of the issuers, we have the lenders. Instead of the um, the acquirers, the distributors might be the same the same companies, and then uh, we are we are the network in the middle. Got it. Got it. That's very helpful. Okay, so that's lower than I would have thought. My audience probably would have thought. So under three percent, not a lot of margin to work with here. So you need a lot of volume. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you gave us a run rate earlier, right? Uh, you, you don't like that you gave it, but you give us a run rate early, right? So 8.3 million uh, per, per month. Uh, and if you're taking less than 3% there, people can sort of uh, back into obviously what that, that what that looks like from a run rate perspective, $250,000 a month recurring revenue back to you guys um, as you scale. No, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say 8.3 million. I said hundreds of millions. And, um, and again, I'm not relating not to revenues and not to volumes in this, in this call. I want to be very clear. We are a private company. Uh, my dad, you, you keep saying that, but then you give the number, you say hundreds of millions. So you are giving a number and I'm trying to make sure my audience understands that number. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not giving, I'm, I'm sorry, right? I don't want to be rude or something, but uh, on, a, on a podcast, I usually speak about the market trends, the value proposition of charge after, certainly not on the specifics of how much we make, how many merchants we have. Uh, in, in the places that I do want to mention, like the lenders I'm mentioning, in the other places like merchants and volumes and margins, I don't want to be specific. So I just want to be very clear. It's it's happy to discuss this with investors, which we are doing, and with clients, but not on not on a podcast. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, a lot of folks are not. You know, if if we if someone doesn't hit and dive deep on the business model, you end up with WeWorks of the world that raised way too much money, that brag about valuations and how much they raise, and they end up bankrupt three years later. So I'm asking these questions to try and understand: Is there a real business here? Or is it basically flooded with VC dollars? You're losing money. And whoever loses money the longest maybe wins a network in the long run. It sounds like that's not the case with you, but that's why I ask these questions. Uh, we'll move on from that though for, for now. I think we have a good sense. You guys are growing, growing nicely. Tell me more about your team today, right? So how many folks are full-time or on the team? Yeah, so we have 120 employees currently and we are growing very fast. And did you, I know you have Israeli roots. Did you keep your engineering team over there or how many engineers total? Yeah, we have we have offices in Israel and in the US, and our engineering is in Israel mostly. And, and what I imagine heavy engineering, right? About how many engineers on the team? Heavy engineering, yeah. Yeah. What's next, product wise? I mean, where can you see the space going? Right now, you're a marketplace. What's step two? No, I think that we are very clear about our North Star and our vision. We have, uh, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking out about the bigger picture. The, if you look on the credit market, the credit market was dominated by credit cards in, for many years. We believe that the, the ability of consumers to uh, get the credit that they need at the point of sale, point of need, which is BNPL, is going to be the future of credit. Within this market, 
we are the one connecting the market, right? We are creating the connectivity. We are not the lenders, but we are the ones connecting the, the industry, creating what we call the, the third wave of credit. Um, so we are very clear on our vision and we just continue to do that. We are adding more and more lenders uh, all the time. We are adding more merchants. We are being connected to all the leading payment players and basically enabling them to use our rails that we have created. And by that offering BNPL to their uh, merchants and consumers, we see ourselves as the rails and the connectivity layer of the industry. So All right, are- on that note, on that note, Madad, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. F- favorite book. Um, book. Um, grow, grow to grow to defend. Grow to defend. No, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? I'm following many CEOs. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building charge after? So I'm, I'm a great admirer of Salesforce. I think it's a very good tool. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Four or five. I'm not a big and sleeper. That's not a lot. That can't be healthy. <laughs> I'm sleeping. No, seriously, that's not healthy. Five, you can survive on five hours a night? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's... I, that's a, it's impre- I, I, uh, when a CEO comes on the show and says that amount of sleep, it, it either usually they're bragging because they want to sound good to VCs that they never sleep, which is not healthy, or they're just superhuman and they actually just don't need sleep. It sounds like you just don't need sleep. I do need sleep, but five hours is enough for me. Awesome. And what's your situation without married, single kids? No, I'm, I'm, I'm married happily with uh, three great uh, daughters. Oh, that's amazing. And how old are you? I'm, I'm 50. Take us home. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. I wish I knew that fintech would be such a big thing when I was 20. (laughs) Guys launched in 2017. He's sitting at the center of the buy now, pay later world, specifically building a marketplace, connecting thousands of merchants like Lenovo. Lenovo to over 40 lenders like Affirm or the banks directly like Visa building nicely. He says, quote, processing hundreds of millions dollars of run rate GMV, which is exciting. Nice growth. Just closed a $44 billion series, sorry, $44 million series B uh, earlier this year. We'll see what happens next. Madad, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you.